everyone, and welcome to our very last episode of Houndcast for season one. That's right, we're wrapping up after, Justin, how many? You say 15, 16, somewhere in there, episodes that we've had since we started in May. We're going to take a short break over December and January and prep for our season two, so we're super excited about that. But I think we are ending on a really high note. This is an exciting uh, two guests that we have with us. And we're talking about one of Moravian's most loved traditions, our Christmas Vesper service. So I'm really excited to have Paula and Jenica here with us today to talk about, you know, kind of a little bit about the history of Vespers, but also how this year is way different than it has been in the past. You know, we're super sad that we won't be able to be in Central Moravian with everybody and seeing, you know, a thousand people six nights a week uh, in December. So it's a little bit changed. And so we're going to learn a little bit more about how that's going to work this year. So Paula, Jenica, do you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Most of our viewers probably know you, I would say, but a little bit of background on, you know, who you are and what you do at the college for us. Sure. Um, I'm Paula Zirkel and I uh, direct, I'm the director of vocal music and I teach conducting and mus other music courses as needed. But um, yeah, I'm in charge of the music for Vespers. Awesome. Thanks, Paula. And I am Jenica and the college chaplain. And I also am a graduate of 1998 from the college and from two and 2001 from the seminary. And I um, run the behind the scenes stuff for Vespers and then sit in the big chair in the middle seat it, um, in the pulpit area in Central Moravian Church. Jenica, you, well, you and Paul actually probably have two of the best seats in the house. <laughs> you know, you got like, you have very different vantage points than what everybody else gets to sit when we're sitting in the pews. So you guys have two of the best Vesper seats, I think. <laughs> and we yeah. also look across the whole room to each other, you know, especially <laughs> at the beginning and it's like, here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. Another one in the books, right? <laughs> yeah. And standing up front when everybody has their candles raised and I can see out over the entire room and you can just see how important the service is to all the people who come and how much it actually changes us and gets us ready for the holiday season. Yeah. Yeah, Jenna, can you bring up a really good, you know, point that it is, I always think of, like the Christmas season is starting when I go to my first Vesper service. And I feel like a lot of our alums probably feel that way. You know, their, their whole year is kind of marked by that one event that happens every year. So can you guys like share with us a little bit about what the history of Vespers is? Like, where does this come from? And, you know, why do you think that is such a significant piece of our alums Christmas tradition? Well, it was started here at Moravian um, by the Shantzes, Dick and Monica Shantz, and they had, um, they were also the music directors at the Central Moravian Church. So uh, for them, it was really combining, I guess, those two ideas. And they started the department, the music department at Moravian in the 50s. And, um, you know, just, I think they started off, you know, with like one evening, maybe of mm -hmm. Vespers, and then it clearly became a popular thing. And then it ended up being over two weekends, which I don't hope it, I hope it doesn't expand past that. <laughs> But you know, it's 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 been since it's popular. Then it just it just grew. Um, 
I think the the style changed noticeably when I came. Uh, when I first came, I did some multicultural pieces and some some different things repertoire than they hadn't had, and I had a lot of complaints the first like three or four years and now I get complaints if I don't do all those things so you know it's just it was a little bit of a culture change um but um you know and, and then every year it changes because we do different stuff every year um so yeah it's it's a great tradition and we're real happy that the the Shantzes you know had the foresight to to create that and and it's modeled after the Moravian Church's Christmas Eve services. Um, since the 1700s, the Moravian Church has been using the beeswax candles with the red fringe. Um, now, some Moravians around the world would dispute that because some use white trim or green trim, um, but we stick with the traditional red trim. And the, the beeswax candle is something that um, is so significant for the service because it um, really helps engage all of the senses in what we're doing. You know, you can smell the beeswax, you can feel the heat from the candle, you're passing candles, so you're touching candles and plus, you know, interacting with the people sitting next to you and the servers. And um, historically, at the end of a Christmas Eve service, the people in the in the church would actually carry their lit candles out and carry literally their light into the world and we we found that that's probably not the best way to do it for our tradition <laughs> um we don't want people moving around with lit candles not that many people but um the idea really is to to engage with the light and then carry the light out into the world to the rest of the world. And I feel that even though we don't carry lit candles out with us, that is what everyone's doing. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I think a lot of our alums would probably agree that the candle lit portion of the Vesper service is, you know, just that little piece that makes it so special. You know, when you see the little light start to shine through the cracks in the doors and you know they're coming and then they open the doors right on cue. It's always perfectly timed. So you guys do a great job with that. You know, I'm always- Maybe not always, but we do our best. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that was really good. Like, uh, you know, but I think that's, you know, it, I think for a lot of our alums, like that's the little piece that, you know, almost gives them like chills, like, ooh, that's, you know, just so significant of the Vesper service. And it's just such a special piece. I know, you know, I went every year when I was in college and now working at the college, I'm there every year too. So, but I remember getting my first beeswax candle at a Vesper service after we had wrapped them during freshman orientation. I was like, oh, this is what this was for. Like, this is so exciting. And, you know, I think so many people probably keep their candles every year too and use them as decoration around their house. So they are kind of, in a sense, like you said, they're bringing it home to them. Might not be lit when they bring it home, but. We have a really nice tradition uh, in the choir before each service we gather and we talk and the seniors give little speeches and things. And once in a while, a senior will come with a bag of used candles. They said, this is my candles from every single service I've been to, you know, and it's, it's really touching because it's, it. it's important to everybody. Those, that little symbol. It absolutely is. What year, Paula, what year of Vespers is this for you? Uh, well, I didn't do one year. Uh, this is my 26th, I guess. 26th. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I passed 150 a while ago. I, I don't know. <laughs> Although <laughs> this, I was like, what does that come out of? Let's just do a math. Of my head. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it's going to be really different. I don't even know if I should. I guess I should count these this year. I, I don't know if I should or not. You definitely should. You I def- should. Okay. You definitely should count these. So one, one tidbit of of trivia that. Um, I don't know that all of the folks who are watching and listening um, would know is that Paula's first year at the college was also my first year at the college. So Paula was my choir director for my very first Vespers service. Wow. And, and for all of them. I mean, those for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we talk about, you know, kind of the evolution of Vespers, uh, for me personally, um, I would say that Paula taught me how to sing, first of all, um, and to, and there is, um, oh, singing for Paula is magical. Like it is just that um, she takes, you know, music that's written out on a page and invites the entire group to feel the connections with the music and with each other and she's you know the center point of all of that and it is an incredible experience um I would as singing with the choir I would get chills every night from some moment in the service singing with that group of people and with Paula conducting um and I also feel like there's a special energy that Paula and I bring to the services now that we're working together as colleagues, that we have a, we have a special understanding of each other and what we're bringing and what we're hoping to create. And um, I hope that you know those who are there can feel that energy because I know that I feel it and I think Paula, you feel it also. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that everyone in that room feels it, so <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Paul, you had mentioned kind of how Monica and, and Dick Johns had really made Vespers in kind of an instrumental and, and symbolism of the Moravian community um, with bringing Vespers to light. And Paul, you know, Jenica, you had mentioned how Vespers had, has kind of, you know, evolved um, over the past several years. Can you talk more about how it's evolved as a service um, and community event during both of your tenures here at the college? it's constantly evolving like i said before because every year the choir music is new the instrumental music is new the um prayers are new you know there's there's some things that are real set and some things that are very changeable and i think i i mentioned at the beginning about um how you know i'm i i make actually a point to incorporate different types of music um Sometimes I get a little criticism for not it being specifically Christmas, but to me, it's a spiritual uh, event, you know, and a lot of people are coming from a lot of different backgrounds, and I like to be as inclusive as possible. So yes, it is a Christian ceremony, but I also bring in other, um, you know, we've had Jewish pieces, we've had uh, Native American things, we often do, you know, African traditions, and then music from around the world. I feel like it's really important to involve all that as well. So um, the evolution really just comes from a constant kind of changing of all those different pieces. Um, So 
And, you know, we did try to change the set parts. I remember one year we wanted to add a, a hymn, a different hymn, you know, change those things that recur every year. And it right. was not met with much positivity. <laughs> so we went back to the old format. So my stuff gets to change, but there are some things that will not change, which we can count on. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, there's certainly comfort in the traditions. Sure. Um, and yet the, the, what happens in the creativity with the music then I think is such a compliment to the traditions and where prior to Paula coming to the college, the, everything was pretty traditional. So every moment was traditional and it was really very traditional, classical Christmas European music and, um, which would be in, in, in line with the Moravian church coming from Europe. And, um, but I actually think that the current music better reflects the current Moravian church because the current church is all over the world with, right. and, and so bringing in different traditions and different musical styles, I think more accurately reflects how we are engaging in the Christmas season. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and one of the things that I really wish could have been possible this year is I'm not a Moravian alum. So I was really excited and looking forward to being able to attend my first, you know, in-person Vespers and, Thanks to COVID that, you know, got taken, got taken out of context. Um, but uh, really excited for next year, hopefully, um, to be able to experience, fingers crossed, right? Um, to hopefully be able to experience what an in-person Vespers is. Um, and that leads me kind of to my, to our next, you know, question of what does Vespers look like this year? You know, what things have had to change drastically? What things... Um, are, are being kind of kept the same um, in context of, you know, the um, whole ceremony itself. Well, so what Jenica alluded to before about building some kind of uh, community within the choir, that has been totally changed because the whole group did not meet as a whole the entire semester. Um, we met in pieces, we rehearsed in pieces, we recorded in pieces, um, you know, so in terms of having like that overall sense of musicality, it, it's, you know, been a challenge to try to recreate that in little jigsaw pieces. And, uh, you know, we recorded audio in masks because I wasn't going to um, challenge the health of our students. So we recorded in masks. We record the video in masks because, you know, we're still there standing next to each other making sounds. So the look is going to be entirely different because you're going to get five different little snips of different groups that came together and did the same thing at different times. So, you know, the, we're counting on uh, Blue Ridge Cable to, to put that all together. You know, we just threw a bunch of separate pieces at them and they're going to hopefully make a, a, a you know, a nice um, consolidated package. But um, I think the, that, is the biggest difference I think is just the look. Um, but because we knew it was going to be different, Jenica and I decided that we'll change up the format a little. So 
instead of, for instance, having a big choral set, which is normally what we do up in the front of the church, we've interspersed the pieces amongst the readings and the hymns and, and the um, prelude music that's normally played by instrumental groups before the service starts. They have actually been incorporated into the body of the service as well, which I think is nice because mm-hmm. it gives them more exposure and, and shows our other groups as well. So the look of it and the whole format is going to be quite different, but we do have traditional pieces that Jenica can speak to because she was carefully selected those. <laughs> yes, we we did. We are pulling from some previous footage to be able to still capture the hymns and the candles and that feeling. And this would be a great time for folks to pull out their bags of old Vespers candles <laughs> Um, and light them, you know, during the, during, while they're watching the video. Um, For me, besides the program piece itself and being virtual this year, the difference is in, um, in not having the the hundreds of volunteers. Um, My student volunteers, uh, they are superstars. They volunteer to be um, running all of the stuff in the back, getting the candles prepped, training the volunteers, um, setting up the church. They do that six nights plus rehearsals and things, and um, all as volunteers. And they do it because it is such a powerful experience to see how, um, how much meaning they're bringing to the community members. I, it's hard work to, um, have hundreds of volunteers and count on them to show up and make sure they're trained and, and everything. And at the same time, that is so powerful to have to in connecting us together and we have a common purpose and we are engaging people from all parts of our community. And uh, I am really going to miss it. Um, as much work as it is, it's such meaningful work. And so it's gonna be hard not having that this year, Um, just like it's gonna be hard for people to not be in person together. Right. Yeah, I think um, it's so special, you know, that both of you along with all of the students and and all of the other, um, you know, all of your other teammates that have really helped facilitate this and, and still make this possible this year, um, moving to a virtual format, you know, I know all of our alumni um, are extremely appreciative of still being able to, you know, have the ceremony this year um, with the limitations that we have surrounding COVID. So um, I just want to, you know, thank both of you for all of your hard work um, in making, you know, this virtual ceremony possible this year. We definitely yeah. have a lot of alums out there that are excited to see what it's going to look like in a virtual format. And I know we have several alums who have reached out who don't normally get to come in a year because they aren't local or that kind of thing. And they're like, I, I get to watch it and I get to see it, you know, live in this different format. So I think there's a lot of people that are still really excited and are going to continue to make Vespers a part of their holiday tradition. And it's just going to look different. You know, maybe they're all going to be at home around the TV watching it or, you know, having (laughs) dinner while they're watching it this year. You know, I think there's a lot of things that our alums can do and we're excited, you know, to see how they get to celebrate this way, even though they're 
having Vespers at home this year. So I'm excited for that. Well, before we wrap up here, we have one last question for both of you, Paula and Jenica. And this is something we ask of everyone that comes on the podcast. And it really just kind of shines a light onto why Moravian is so special. So can you guys share with us your favorite thing about Moravian? What is that one thing that you say is just, that makes Moravian Moravian. That's why I'm here. That's why I stay here. You know, what is that one little special piece? Yeah, Paula, you want to start? For me, Moravian is, it's the personal touch. It's the ability for a student to dream something and a bunch of, uh, you know, professors fall in line to make it happen. It's, you know, it's the student who, you know, is struggling and we surround them with support and um, time and help. And it, it's really just the personal touch of, of, of everybody. And I think it's infectious because, you know, somebody comes to work here, they feel it and they just, it surrounds them. And um, I've been to a lot of places and that is not the case at all. So I really appreciate that about this, this place. And that perfectly leads into my answer as well, Paula, that it's, for me, it's, it's, there's a special spirit that flows through our campus and our community and it connects us all together and it connects our alumni and it connects our students and um, and even our, com our community the surrounding community there is something unique about this place and um, it's it's a really true sense of being part of a family and that, um, you know, for me being an alum, I spent, you know, seven years in college and seminary, and I feel like I came home coming back to work as chaplain, and um, that's amazing. It's very true, and I think a lot of our alums and, you know, viewers out there would agree with you that that really is one of that, those things that just makes Moravian so special and until you've experienced it, I don't think you can really comprehend what that feels. You know, we can tell so many people that, but once they've experienced it, they really truly know, you know, what we mean by that. So as Justin said, thank you guys so much, not only for joining us today and sharing a little bit, but for making Vespers possible in this virtual world that we're living in right now. I know so many people out there are gonna appreciate having some little sense of normalcy that they still get a piece of Vespers this year. Um, when that's so important to them for their holiday traditions. So thank you both for all of that. And thank you so, yeah. <laughs> and thank you so much to all of our viewers for tuning in today and throughout all of season one. Uh, we've had such a fun time kicking off this very first Moravian podcast that we've had. Um, we've, Justin and I have just had a lot of fun getting to meet so many different people and talk to different campus partners that we don't get to on a normal basis. And we hope that you're enjoying everything that you're listening to. We will be back for season two. We'll be kicking that off in February. So make sure you look for an announcement about the first episode of season two. And as always, if you ever have any ideas of who you want to see on the podcast, or if you're an alum with a really great story and you want to join us on the podcast, be sure to make Justin or I aware whether you choose an email or you fill out the form in the email. But thank you all for joining. Have a very happy holidays and we will see you in the new year.
Bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone.